in church here? Is anyone alive? It's good. Just before we start this morning, on behalf of myself and Rachel, we just wanted to thank everyone for your encouraging words, um, for your congratulations that you've given us. Obviously, last week we had Transition Sunday, and also thank you to Jared for the nice words he said about us, and I'm glad he didn't say those other things. Um, but in, in all honesty, we, we feel privileged, we feel the responsibility, uh, but we're excited about moving forward leading the church forward, and how many know that God, had, God has us here for a purpose? Amen? A few people have come to me and said, oh, Ben, what are you going to change? And right now, I'm going to give you an update. So in, <laughs> in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I think it's verse 12, it says, basically, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And um, we feel like we're not 100% equipped, but we feel like this is what we're born for. Actually, we know this is, why we're born for. This is what we're born for. And um, also I was thinking about Abraham and Sarah, when God called them to move and move into another land. They didn't know where they were going, but they knew they couldn't stay here. And we have the amazing privilege to have a rich history in our church. But how many know that there's still unfulfilled promises over Hope Point Church? How many know that there's still people in our community that don't know about the love and power of Jesus? How many know that there's still people in your neighborhood that haven't experienced what we experienced here this morning? So we can't stay here. None of us can stay where we are. We have a mandate from God to move forward. As a church, we are going to move forward. We might not know exactly what that looks like specifically, but at least we know we can't stay here. As much as this is amazing, as much as there's amazing things that God has done, and sometimes we've got to go back to go forward, how many know that there's still unfulfilled promises? Amen. For the last few weeks, there's a bird called a willy wagtail. Who's familiar with them? Um, we've had a few that have come to our kitchen window and when I'm doing the dishes, that was a joke by the way, um, when I'm in the kitchen, that, that wasn't a joke, there's this bird and it comes and, and craps all over the windowsill and makes a mess and they, it, it looks at itself in the mirror and for a few weeks now I've been ignoring it. And then Monday morning at 5.30, it moved to my bedroom window. And it started tapping with its beak on the window. The sun wasn't even up yet. It's tapping away. And I'm throwing pillows at it. I'm throwing anything I can get my hands on. I'm half asleep. I've just woken up. This bird has woke me up again. And this went on for two days. And then the third day, I thought, Lord, maybe you're saying something to me. And the third morning I looked and this bird was there. It was pecking its beak on the window. 
bang, 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 rattling the window at like 5.30. And straight away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read it again because it's a profound verse and Adrian's already spoken about it this morning. But it says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap or store away in barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And so far, the bird hasn't been back, which I'm thankful for. About a month ago, I was reading through the Bible, reading through different passages, and I came across this phrase that was, it seemed to be like on every page of the Bible. And this was the phrase, do not fear. Do not fear. And it's crazy because right from the beginning of the Bible, right to the end, the Lord is saying to his people, do not fear. Do not lean into fear. Do not... Do not take fear. And then I did a little bit of research and I, and I found out that the most frequent command in the Scriptures is this, do not fear. The inference is that we have the ability to fear. The inference is, is that even though He tells us and commands us time and time again, we need to be reminded as people of God to not give in to fear. How many know that we're living in a time right now that where fear is rampant? Fear is everywhere. There's a smorgasbord of fear. I've noticed that you don't even have to go looking for it. Some people send it to you. Some things are beneficial, most things aren't. What's yet sent to me anyway? But there's a smorgasbord of fear. You don't have to go far to find it. There's fear in every direction. We've just, hopefully we're getting through the end of a, a worldwide pandemic. How many know that COVID, all the underpinning issues around COVID, I believe, is fear. The enemy's work all amongst COVID was driven by fear. We see the fear of the disease. We see fear of government mandates. We see fear of vaccines now. We see fear of running out of toilet paper. <laughs> this whole thing is, 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 you can see the enemy's fingerprints on it. This whole pandemic is based in fear. And the Lord says to us this morning, Hope Point, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not give in to fear. This is one of the enemy's greatest tactics, is to get us in a, in a mindset of fear. Is to get us fearing the worst. Is to get us in this mindset, in this state of mind, where we're totally ineffective to what the Lord would want to do. How many know that fear and love can't coexist? Fear and love can't coexist. 
It's not like I can have, have a little bit of fear and a little bit of love and we just marry each other and this just, we just roll off into the sunset. We're all motivated by, motivated by one of two things, either it's fear or it's love. And Adrian said this morning, perfect love casts out all fear. The Lord is saying this morning, Hope Point, do not fear. He said the same thing thousands of years ago when um, the people of God were leaving Egypt and they came and we know the story when Moses led the people out, the Israelites. They crossed the Red Sea. They saw these amazing things happen. And all of a sudden, they're intimidated once again by fear. How many know that it was one thing for the people to move out of Egypt, but it was another thing for them to move into the promised land? Sometimes we think that they got out of Egypt and then rolled down the hill into the promised land. That wasn't the case. We see they got out of Egypt, but now there was, what they were facing was, was fear, was uncertainty, was unbelief. Moses, as he was leading the people and he's getting closer with Two, two to three million people. This is crazy. This is amazing. Two to three million people left Egypt. He's getting closer to this promised land that God has promised for them. And he sends 12 spies in. You remember the story? He sends 12 spies in. Now what we have to remember is that these weren't just 12 people just randomly picked from two and a half million people. These 12 men represented the 12 tribes of Israel. They were leaders. They were probably the, these, these hand-picked people that Moses picked to go and spy out the land on his behalf. They were phenomenal leaders. They were probably close to Moses. They understood the promise of God over their nation. And here we have it, these, these people who, who probably had the most faith out of the 2.5 million, they go in and all of a sudden, they see giants in the land. And they come back to Moses and they report and they say, hey, the land is amazing. It is as God's promise. It is flowing with milk and honey. There is like fruit as big as man's hands and heads and whatever. But they said there's also giants in the land and it's well fortified. There's no way we can overtake that. And 10 of them bring back this report. They give in to fear. And there's two people, Joshua and Caleb. We know the story. They said it's true. The facts are true. There is giants in the land. The city is well fortified. But they said, remember what Jesus, remember what God did when he, when he swamped the Egyptians in the Red Sea. We can take this. Unfortunately, in this season of Israel, 
the 10 who had the negative report had more influence on the multitude than the two. And they spent the next close to 40 years dealing with the fear, dealing with the unbelief, and not stepping into the promise of God. The sobering thing is that those 10 spies never entered the promised land. They actually died. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that entered the promised land. You see, fear is not your friend. Fear is not even someone who you just tolerate who slows you down a little bit. Fear will actually stop you from stepping into the destiny, into the purposes that God has on your life. Fear is not your friend. The crazy thing about fear is that it actually paralyzes us. We might be still alive, but we're totally useless. Has anyone ever heard of fainting goats? Just YouTube it sometime. There's this crazy thing about this this species of goats where when they're frightened, when they're fearful, their whole body just stiffens up and they fall over. And a few seconds later, they're fine. So no animals are hurt in this story. But literally, these goats, they actually get frightened and they just freeze and they fall over. And sometimes we can be like that. The body of Christ. All of a sudden, there's fear. We're just living through a pandemic where there's uncertainty about the future. What do we do? Oftentimes, we freeze and we do nothing. Two years ago when, I think it was two years ago when COVID first was around, I remember I was working on a road project and for six weeks, the project did nothing. I mean nothing. There was no other explanation except there was fear that was through the whole crew. It was crazy because I would get there and I'd think, why aren't these guys doing any work? And it was like, there was just uncertainty, there was fear. No one wanted to really progress with the project because they didn't know what the future was holding. People just, because of the fear and the uncertainty, they just did nothing. Joshua chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to the Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. And the context here is that that the Israelites have been wandering around for 40 years. They've been cowering by fear and unbelief, amongst other things. They still have the promise about this land that God has promised them. And Moses has just died their leader and we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 it says after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. There it is. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is an incredible passage because sometimes we read this and we think that all of a sudden Moses, like he's just like a bit of dead wood that's been sitting there for ages and all of a sudden he's dropped off the perch and Israel are like championing and yahooing and this is so good and Joshua is just celebrating because now he gets to lead these people into their destiny. That's not the case. Moses, up to that point, was the most phenomenal leader that Israel had ever seen, actually in the world. The Bible goes on to say that Moses was, I think he's one of three in the Old Testament where God actually says he's my friend. The Bible goes on and tells us that Moses would actually speak to God face to face, like I'm speaking to you. Moses was a phenomenal leader. He was a patriarch. He, was, he, 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 he wasn't just someone who came in and led Israel for a while. He was esteemed highly. And what was his task? It was to lead people, the people from Egypt into the promised land. And he failed. And he dies and then God says to Joshua, hey, you're going to do that now. How many know that, that, that Joshua wasn't doing cartwheels when God came and told him that he was about to lead the people in? Most likely, Joshua would have been standing there thinking, I am terrified. The greatest leader I've ever known was not able to lead these people in, and now God has tasked me with the job to do it. And this is where God constantly says to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. He says, do not be afraid. Do not give in to fear. How many know that we all have to face fear? How many know that if you're afraid of flying, it doesn't help your fear not going on a plane. It just hides the fear. Fear stands at the doorway of our promised land. Let me say that again. Fear stands at the doorway of your promised land. 
there's something for us as a family here, as, as believers in God, if we're going to move forward into everything that God has, has for Hope Point Church, it means that we're going to have to move through, we're going to have to face our fears. It means that there's stuff there that we're going to have to face. I read a quote recently, it says, you can't conquer what, what you refuse to confront. You can't conquer what you refuse to confront. I was sitting in a conference a few years ago and this guy got up and shared about this, this, another person who had gone and he was, he was preaching the gospel in an unreached people group and they killed him. He was a martyr. And I remember sitting there thinking, God, I wish I didn't have a fear of death. I was reflecting on this this person's life and how they just so openly just wanted to serve God that even death they were not afraid of. I remember sitting there quietly thinking, oh, I wish that could be me. Not to die, but I wish I didn't have fear of death. Two and a half years later, sorry, two and a half years ago, there was a series of events where I had a health condition, where I ended up going to a hospital, going to doctors. I had a tumor on my chest here, right, right in, on top of my heart. Everyone was poking and prodding it. No one knew what it was. How many know? I'm a terrible waiter, by the way. I don't like to be in suspense, I don't like waiting. I like to know what I need to know. And this was one of the hardest three months of my life because I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And someone who was doing a scan on me sort of said a few negative things that started to feed this issue of fear. They did scans, they put needles in this thing, they did biopsies, everything. No one could give a definitive answer what, was, what this tumor was. For three months, I'd wake up. How many know that fear starts to speak to us? And I would go into my study, and for three months, I would sit there with with the Lord. I would worship, I would pray until hope, until I had hope again. I did this every day for three months. Because oftentimes when I wake up, I didn't feel too good. And I never left that place in the morning until I had hope. The end of the story is that God healed me through the hand of a surgeon who removed the tumor and it was a benign tumor. How many know that we have to face our fears oftentimes before we can move forward into the promises of God in our life? 1 John 4.18, it's already been said several times this morning. It says, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is not your friend. Let's all say that together. Fear is not my friend. One more time. Fear is not my friend. 
I love the fact that here in this passage in Joshua chapter 1, God actually gives Joshua and he gives us some really practical instruction on how to defeat fear. We know that perfect love casts out all fear, but then he takes it even a step further and I'm glad he does because this is super practical. Who's ready for something practical this morning? This is super practical. Let's have a look in verse 8. This is what it says. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. It says here, meditate on this book, meditate on the scripture, meditate on the word day and night. How many um, have jumped in your car one day and you're driving along and maybe your destination is like an hour away and you get in the car and you just start thinking about a health condition, let's say. Something in your body that's not quite right and all of a sudden you arrive at your destination And the thought process have started from a small health issue that you've got to like the fact that you've convinced yourself you're about to have a cardiac arrest. Does this happen to anyone else? Or maybe there's a bill that comes in the mail and you jump in your car and you're like, oh, there's an unexpected bill. I don't know if we really have money to pay that. And you jump in the car and you start thinking about this. By the time you end up at the destination hour away, you convince it you're going to be bankrupt. Or maybe you jump in the car and you're like, hey, the way that Hayden looked at me at church this morning, I'm just not sure if he's he's got an issue with me. And by the time I arrive at my destination hour away, all of a sudden I'm convinced that the world hates me. This is fear. This is fear. Who's ever been in that position? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe there's something of concern. Maybe you see something. Maybe you hear of something. And you go to bed. And all of a sudden, an hour later, you wake up. You're tossing and turning. You wake up. There's stupid things in your head. It's like concerning you. Maybe it's something about one of your kids at school or whatever it is. And you just can't get a good sleep. You're tossing and turning all night. Who's, who's at least been there? Everyone, yeah. So the good thing is we, we, we know that we all know how to meditate. Now we just need to change the, the subject matter. And this is what it says here in Joshua chapter 1. It says, meditate on these words day and night. With the smorgasbord of, of, of fear that we can, that comes our way these days, Honestly, the most practical thing we can do is turn our phone off, turn the computer off, turn the social media off, and start meditating on the Word of God. I love the fact that God gave Joshua such practical advice. He says, meditate on my Word day and night. So this is what I've been doing, and this is what I do, and this is what the Lord is teaching me. By the way, it's not rocket science. The verse we read this morning says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So I get in the car and I start driving and I say, Lord, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. And then I start saying, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a God who will never leave me? That means there's never any place where he's not going to be there. That means wherever I go, no matter, no matter how much I stuff up, no, no, no matter the disappointments, he will never leave me. That means that no matter if everyone else leaves, he will never leave. And then I start saying, what does that tell me about a perfect father who would do that? And I start thinking about his nature. I start thinking about meditating on the fact that God will never leave me. And then we start to go into that he'll never forsake me. Oh, wow, when, when other people... Give me the, when other people disown me, when other people might sack me, he will always stand there. If I make a mess of my life, if I make a mess of stuff, he's not intimidated to stand up and say, he's my son. And I start thinking about the fact, what type of God is this? What type of father is this? One that never leaves me nor forsakes me. How many know that you can think about this for an hour easy? And, and, and start letting your mind go into all the places, the extravagant places about a God who would never leave you nor forsake you. It's incredible what happens. This is what it means when he says, meditate on my word day and night. Is Stacy still here? Oh, could you jump on the keys, Stace? This is what it means. Why does God tell us so many times, do not fear? It's because we have the propensity to be fearful. Why does He tell us so many times? The most frequent command in Scripture is do not fear because He knows that we forget. He knows that we're human. He knows that we're weak. And He knows that, that we, we, we forget the fact that He's in charge and he has, he, He's got it. This issue of fear is one that we actually have to take personal responsibility over. It means that we've got to shut the voices, turn off the phone, you fill in the blank, and start meditating on His Word. How many know that when you're meditating on the Word of God, fear becomes very obvious? If you're feeding, if you're interacting with a narrative right now that doesn't end with the redemptive work of God, you're believing a lie. It's based in fear. And this is the, 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 the enemy's, one of his greatest tactics 
is to paralyze us into fear. Paralyze us like these, these, these goats. We might be alive, but we're not effective. We're paralyzed in fear. What are you going to do? We have to take responsibility. Just as we finish up this morning, it it might sound like a contradiction, but it's the other side of that coin. This morning, like Adrian spoke about, there's actually the grace of God to free us from fear. We have to take responsibility and one of the ways we do that is meditating on His Word. But the other side of the coin is we just come like little children and we say, Lord, maybe you've had decades of fear and you say, Lord, would you take it today? I believe that today we're going to see the end of fear in people's life. The other side of that coin is that we just get in receive mode to receive His peace and His love that drives out all fear. Fear is not your friend. When God says to us, do not fear, He's not condemning us. He says, do not fear because there's grace available. It means there's grace available. Every time He says, do not fear, it means there's grace. And I believe this morning as we, as we declare the freedom in this place, as, as we pray and believe God to, to, to eradicate fear in people's life, I, I'm believing that we'll be people like like Teflon that just fear just won't be able to stick to us this morning as we finish up if you've been battling with fear maybe it's for for 20 minutes or, or 20 years I just want you to stand right now put your hands out in front like you're about to receive a, a gift of grace there's no shame in responding the enemy targets those who are a threat to the kingdom, kingdom of darkness. If you're here this morning, just put your hands out front. Just stand up if, 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 if you want to see fear gone. I believe there's people here this morning and you're struggling with fear. There's a close person to you that has either died or had a serious illness and you feel that that same illness is going to be on you. This morning that leaves. That's fear and that's an attack of the enemy and that's a lie from, from the enemy. Stay in that place of surrender as you're standing. 
just with your arms out, just ready to receive a gift. We don't earn it, we receive it by faith. Jesus, this morning, I just thank you for every person standing right now. I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. Maybe this fear has, has affected them for 20 minutes or 20 years, but today it ends. Lord, we declare freedom. We declare, declare the Prince of Peace. We declare yourself love in, in, in person that perfect love would cast out all fear. Lord, and we, we, we thank you this morning. The people that are standing, that they would just be propelled into their destiny, that no longer would they be haunted by the fear that holds them back. Amen. Grab a seat. Before, before we finish, last night I was putting my five-year-old son to bed. And he said to me, what are you doing tomorrow, Dad? And I said, I'm going to church, I'm preaching. And he was interested in that. And I said to him, is there anything you feel the Lord wants to say to our church tomorrow? And he said, uh, no. <laughs> and I said, that's all right. If, if the Lord tells you anything, you come and tell me. And he rolled over and went to sleep. And then at two o'clock this morning, it wasn't the Willy Wagtail. It was my son who came in and he said, Dad, Dad, tell the people about Jesus on the cross. And then he said, and can I have an apple and a biscuit? <laughs> so this morning, just before we finish up, you know, the, j j just close your eyes. The greatest miracle is, in all seriousness, the greatest miracle is someone turning their life to Christ. And Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. On the cross, He did a death blow to fear. But He also paid for our, our sin that we could stand right before God. And right now, this morning, there may be people here and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're, you're familiar with religion but you've never come into a relationship with God. Right now, this morning, if that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. We're gonna, I, I want to include you in a prayer this morning. Just put your hand up so I can see it and then put it back down, that's fine. If anyone here this morning wants to say yes to Jesus. Yep, I see that hand down the back. Thank you. Anyone else this morning that wants to say yes to Him? You want your sins forgiven. You want a brand new start. This is such a significant time where we say yes to Jesus. Maybe you haven't been, maybe you've made a commitment once, but today you feel like, hey, today's the day I come back to Him. Is there anyone in that category this morning as well that wants to say yes to Jesus? You want to say He's your Lord and Savior today? Anyone before we pray? I don't want to miss, oh, another two people down the back. Thank you. I don't want to miss anybody else. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. Anybody else? There's three people that, that, that said this morning they want to say yes to Jesus.
Anybody else just before we move on? It's amazing. Three people have said that they want to follow Jesus all the days of their life. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. So if you can pray after me, here we go. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a brand new start. Today I choose you. Be my Lord and my Saviour. And today I make a decision to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we celebrate what the Lord has done? Amazing. Adrian, why don't you come?